Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Dr. Eric Pearl. He's the author of the internationally best-selling book, The Reconnection, Heal Yourself, Heal Others. It's actually the other way around. Heal others, heal yourself. (laughs) Dr. Pearl has been featured on the Dr. Oz Show, on the New York Times, on CNN. He's presented at leading venues like the United Nations and to a packed house at Madison Square Garden. Now, today we're going to discuss his new book called Solomon Speaks on Reconnecting Your Life. He co-authored it with Frederick Ponslov. And in there lies a tale. So welcome, Eric. I'm so delighted you could join us. I'm so glad I could be here. Eric, you were running a successful chiropractic practice in Los Angeles when a series of amazing healings from cancers, epilepsy, cerebral palsy, and other health conditions started happening simply when you held your hands near the patients. Now, at the same time, one of your patients, Frederick Ponslov, began delivering coherent messages explaining the healings. Now, tell us what that was all like, and how did you deal with it? Well, what had happened was, I mean, it was already odd enough with the healings. I was waving, holding my hands near people, and they could feel where my hands were, their bodies were going into involuntary movements, their fingers and feet moving, eyes would rapidly dart back and forth. They were seeing colors they'd never seen before and smelling fragrances of flowers they had never smelled before, and they started reporting healings at the time, real, real healings. They were getting up out of wheelchairs, vision and hearing returning, children with cerebral palsy or epilepsy were able to walk and run and play and uh, not need medications, um, not have seizures. Their their par- parents would call, the, the patients would call, their doctors would call to say, what did you do? I said, I didn't do anything, I don't tell anyone. And, of course, the more I said that, the more everyone started coming in asking to have the same thing. Uh-huh. And um, it wasn't long after that where people started asking me to, to teach this, and I, of course, didn't think that it was at all teachable, and I tried not to, but we've discovered in the process that we can teach this. And right now I spend a good 45 weeks 40 to 45 weeks a year traveling the world teaching this in full weekend seminars where I've, I've pretty much trained close to 100,000 people so far around the world. My goodness. Um, and the, the book written on it is called The Reconnection. As you said, The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself. It's in somewhere between 36 and 39 languages possibly right now. And, you know, I thought that that was certainly enough strange, interesting, unexpected stuff to function in someone's life to keep me occupied for a lifetime. Howsoever, Fred Ponslav decided to add a little twist to it. So a few months into this beginning, uh, Fred came in for a chiropractic visit. He had already been a chiropractic patient, so he was, you know, there was nothing seemingly unusual about him or his visits. I adjusted him just as I adjust all of my patients, and I would tell him to close his eyes and relax, and he did, and I held my hands near him, started feeling healing sensations, and as that happened, I saw that his head suddenly jerked back, his eyes rolled to the back of his skull, his mouth opened, his tongue started to move, air appeared to be audibly escaping his mouth, uh, his tongue moving in a fashion that was clearly forming vowels, 
and um, the air sound sort of condensed itself into a voice. And the voice said, we are here to tell you to continue doing what you were doing. What you were doing is bringing light and information onto the planet. Mm-hmm. Now, when after that happened, Fred kind of jumped up off of the, the chiropractic table, blocked the wall phone, the phone on the wall, because he thought I was going to call a mental hospital and have him taken away. <laughs> and he explained that he had had a sense of that voice trying to come through him for uh, some time in his life. And this time it sort of escaped and came up. And I thought, all right, this is something unique and interesting, but unique to friends. Just unique to Fred Ponfoss. Fine. But two days later, three other patients, heads jerked, eyes rolled, mouth open, tongue moved, air came out, the air condensed itself into a voice. And the voice said the same two phrases that Fred said. We are here to tell you to continue doing what you were doing. What you were doing is bringing light and information onto the planet. And then two of them added, what you were doing is reconnecting strings. One of them said, what you were doing is reconnecting strands. I spoke with Fred, who later that week found that he was out of doing some automatic writing without knowing it, and he wrote, what you are doing is reconnecting strings. A few days later, five other patients had the same experience. Search soon into it, a fifth and sixth phrase were added. Altogether, there were six phrases spoken verbatim by over 50, five zero, 50 different patients of mine over a three-month period of time. And then it stopped. Mm. Now, it stopped coming through every single person except Fred. It was as if there was some intelligence somewhere in the universe that felt it important enough to reach the illusion of the fabric of space and time and turn over 50 different people into living broadcast systems so that I would pay attention and not chalk it up to, you know, one crazy patient or something. Mm -hmm. And then it stopped coming through everyone by the time that I sort of, you know, I got it, but it was something to pay attention to Mm -hmm. and continued coming through Fred. And so I would periodically, I would periodically meet with Fred and say, let's talk with that voice. And I would record these sessions with him. And how long ago was this? Well, this started in 94 with Fred. The healing started in 93. Fred's channeling began in 94. Mm -hmm. And so as that was happening there, I started um, recording these sessions that I would have with Fred. And thank goodness I did, because uh, we eventually amassed quite a library of information. I had the sessions transcribed, and we put them into the book that we call Solomon Speaks on Reconnecting Your Life. It's an exquisite prose that takes us into exploring and discovering ourselves, the depths of who and what we are, and as we can access these depths, as we can unveil our soul 
not just to ourselves, but to others, then we bring about and facilitate a greater level of healing for the people with whom we interact. Mm-hmm. Now, I, thought it, I thought it was really interesting that the... Uh, the chapters at the beginning of the book seem to be speaking very personally to you. They were like guiding you through this process and reassuring you and, and kind of giving you ongoing lessons. And then as you get later in the book, it seems to be speaking. Uh, and and I, I would also add that the messages I think would be applicable to anybody in the healing or connecting professions. And then later in the book, it seems to be speaking directly to the reader as well. Was that... actually speaking directly to the reader from the beginning, and this is part of what I explained. When these channelings or this information started coming through, it was speaking directly to me, specifically to me, not to me, Eric Pearl, the human being, to me, Eric Pearl, who was here to bring a new level of consciousness, you could say, into the world of healing, and to bring a new level of healing onto the planet howsoever. That was only me for one pinpoint second. Once people began to interact with this, they became changed. Actually, studies have shown your very DNA becomes changed once you interact with the reconnective healing frequencies. And it became their potential to accept the responsibility of bringing this consciousness forward onto the planet just as I was doing. So as the reader, you need to hear these words speaking to you. This is very, this is universal information, but that doesn't mean general. It means specific, specific to you who are reading this. This is being spoken to you at the same time that it was being spoken to me, and it's for each of us to find the resonance of this truth within us. If you want, I'll share a little segment of it and see how it feels. Sure. Okay. Your heart is coming here to understand a deeper sense of your truth. You need to recognize that your heart is in the space that is allowing you to illustrate your greater being. Your feelings are now are being carried through on a different plane and your energy exists in this sphere of influence that is central to your understanding of a different sphere of influence. Now, even if we just go that far, we need to hear ourselves in this. When they say your heart is coming here to understand a deeper sense of your truth, This is not a message that applies only to me. This is a message that applies to each of us. You need to recognize that your heart is in the space that is allowing you to illustrate your greater being. We have to hear these words speaking to us. There's a lot that needs to be said in various ways. We need to understand ourselves in a limited fashion. And we need to carry this limited understanding as a life process. And what they're speaking about is, is the feeling that we are each separate, that we are distinct, that we are of different personalities, that we are individuals instead of recognizing the oneness and the unity that we are. Because our lesson here is to come in feeling as if we are separate and distinct individuals and to grow through seeking 
and learning and therefore discovering that we are all one. Mm -hmm. So we understand ourselves in a limited fashion, and we need to carry this understanding as a life process. It is the unveiling of a multifaceted force within our life. We need to peel away the exterior so that that internal being shines through to those we come in contact with. This eternal soul that resides within our framework is being covered up in many ways by our apprehensions, our fears. And in your work, and notice it doesn't say what that work is. It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean in your work as a healer, anything more than it could mean in your work on yourself to become a greater person. But or in whatever in your, you're doing in the world. Right. And in your work, that is what you need to do. You need to unveil your soul. It is not a simple process. And this stripping away of ego is an eternal process. This selflessness that must shine through the being that can reach in without interference. Once that pure force shines through, without it being refracted by various mindsets, it will flow in a more direct manner. Once you allow your soul, that egoless purity, to come through, that is almost a common denominator in that it has the ability to automatically fuse with the frequency of the person you're interacting with. Mm -hmm. So your job in this process is to strip away the defense, strip away the mind, strip away the techniques and control mechanisms that you have in this plane, let them go. Let them be a part of an exterior that has nothing to do with you and present that soul in the room. It will automatically do the work. That energy is the common universal language of the cosmos. It is understood immediately and is felt intrinsically. I, I resonated very powerfully with those words and with those sentiments. And it was interesting how um, our egos keep on popping up and wanting, you know, to, to be patted on the back and so on. And Solomon, the messages keep on saying, it's not about you. It's not about ego. It's stop thinking, get out of the way and connect soul to soul. That, Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. And we do have ego, and it's not a mistake. God wasn't working over the creation of the human being, accidentally dropped ego in and went, oops, <laughs> now I'll never get it out of the human. I mean, <laughs> ego is not a bad thing that we're supposed to starve the sucker to death. Ego is here as an ongoing teacher. The, what we're here to learn, among other things, is not to allow the ego to lead The ego um, really is uh, an interesting actor in all of this um, because, as you say, it, it's what uh, kind of drives our search in the world, drives our development in the world. But it, it does seem strange that our trajectory is really to use the ego, then overcome the ego and move through it. Is, is that a fair... Yeah, yeah. Solomon speaks on ego um, multiple times throughout the book. Um, as a matter of fact, from this segment that I just read you, he glides into ego just a little bit. Um, he says, in many cases, in these planes of energy, ego represents identity. 
it gives us a separateness, a form which is essential to function in this plane. We have difficulty in understanding the concept that we are all one. And if we were all one, there wouldn't be the lessons that need to be experienced. The ego gives us the identity to experience the lessons in terms from a very specific viewpoint. It's as if we look at the situation through a specific window, and the frame in the window is our ego. It gives us the form to look through from a very acute perspective of that aspect of that problem. It's as if there's a horizon, and then there's the vista of the entire horizon. The ego becomes the telescope through which we see very specific aspects of that universe. It's a vehicle in which we experience identity from a specific viewpoint. So part of why we work to strip it away is because it's a remembrance, ultimately, of things that are long past. It's a remembrance of what we truly are, that we are truly a part of. And that's part of the lesson, being born with this telescope and gaining the wisdom through these particular smaller events or more, you know, microscopic-looking events to recognize that the telescope becomes then really useless, that we can train our lives to see without it. And once we do that, what we see is clearer. We start by focusing on specific things, and eventually our soul wants to see the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Um and yet you were saying, it, when you said it's part of who we really are, you're talking about the sort of accretion of all of our past experiences throughout time that make us the individual, the unique vibration that we are. That's true. That's very true. Because without these individual perspectives, of course, um, I, I guess God would get bored. <laughs> well, we'll certainly have to ask God about that one. <laughs> what was the most surprising thing to you about this this path that you were thrust onto? That it actually existed. Now, that we, that consciousness, all right, hmm, that there really is life on another plane. We don't need to sit around and watch the skies and wait for metal spaceships to descend. That's not where this, these other aspects of life exist. It exists on other dimensions, but dimensions that can interact with one another. As this is doing, that there is an intelligence, there is more, there's an evolution um, in life form to us and what we are going through, and it's as if, oh, let's try it this way, you know, it's as if there's an ongoing continuum, and we are somewhere in that continuum of evolution, meaning humanity is somewhere in that continuum of evolution. There are other expressions of life and or what we might call consciousness that have that are existing in other aspects of that continuum. They have or will be here. We have or will be there. And at at this point in time is when humanity is learning to really connect with that continuum. It's sort of 
It actually reminds me of that Michelangelo picture that I've got on the cover of the Reconnection, where where it's Adam's finger reaching up towards God and God's finger reaching down towards Adam. It's humanity reaching towards you know, spirituality, and it's God, love, and the universe reaching down to support humanity in that transition. And we are at the precipice of this next level of evolution, and the universe is watching us. It's, it's, if you ever spoke to someone who had a real life after death experience, they often talk about as they're moving toward that light, they suddenly see people who they recognize not just from their immediately, you know, past lifetime, but they recognize from playing roles in many lifetimes together. And we realize, you know, different roles we played, seemingly minor or major, they've all been important, playing a role in forming us and our growth and our evolution. And these people that they see seem to be standing along the sidelines as the person who is, you know, recently transitioned is moving toward that light encouraging them to move toward the light, pointing the direction, letting them know that it's okay, supporting them, just like when you get to the end of a triathlon, you know, and, and all the people come to cheer on the athlete the last 50 or 100 yards or something like that. It's as if we're in that last 50 or 100 yard part of our human triathlon, and these people beings, intelligences such as Solomon and others of the universe, they're watching us and supporting us and encouraging us to do it. They're not going to do it for us. They're not going to jump out with a motorcycle and a sidecar and say, hop in, kiddo, I'll take you. We still have to have the courage to complete the transition, but they're here to encourage us in that, and I assume that we will be other places to encourage other forms of life in their transition. Well, how do we get into shape for the race to the oh, finish? Baby, we're doing it. Do you really find life all that easy? Do you not think <laughs> that this is an exercise training you and bringing you into better and better condition? Come on. Uh-huh. So it's just uh, by, by working through all the uh, muck? And mire and music. Muck, mire, <laughs> and music. I heard that expression the other day. I don't remember why. Um, by coming through all of this, by looking at our lessons, by looking every day at saying, what are we eating and how is this affecting my body? How did I handle that situation with that person? How could I handle it better? How will I handle it better in the future? All these things, big and small, kids learning to turn their homework in on time and actually doing it in a way where they just get by or deciding to do it in a way where they really learn or glean something, becoming excited. But all these little lessons, even in the way we learn to love and take care of our animals and, and handle our own relationships, these are all us jumping over huge hurdles of personal growth. Mm-hmm. Solomon had an interesting take on the word responsibility, which he said tends to have negative connotation. Do you remember? Um, You will have to give me a little bit of that portion of it. It's not on top of my mind. Um, Well, it it was, we were, he was talking about our taking responsibility for um, our actions in life. But he didn't like the use of the word responsibility because that has a kind of a preachy, teachy 
sound to it. It's just realizing that everything that we do in life has outcomes and, you know, nothing is better than anything else. It's all like that little movie robot said, it's all input. It's all input. Um, I, 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 I have to tell you that for me, to be able to tell you that, oh, oh, oh never mind, I can do it. Responsibility. Um, can I find okay. where that is? Well, let's try something else because I, uh, right. unless you found it. Because there, there, because there is, there is mention of responsibility throughout the book. So he doesn't avoid the word. For instance, he speaks that you are here because you are of a greater sphere in this plane. You have a great deal of energy responding in your life, and you need to allow this energy flow to come through you. Remember, he's speaking to you now. Mm -hmm. You are aware, but you are unseen in your life. In other words, we are aware of many things, but the trueness of who we are, we don't always see in our lives. And this is part of what we're here to learn to see ourselves. You have an energy that has sprung from the well of existence. It is here to manifest in this plane. Mm. You are alive in this focal point, this vortex that creates value in your life. And you have a great deal of power accessible to you if it is modulated in the proper perspective. And here it comes now. You must understand there is a responsibility that comes with this energy flow. It is not given to win. You must acknowledge this flow in a way that is constructive to your environment. You are in a state of flux, which we look at as flux as being, oh my God, I'm in flux, when will I stabilize? But he says, you are in a state of flux that will create value if you mm -hmm. allow this energy forward. So he's, he may have made a point about responsibility, but he also speaks about that we have an incredible responsibility that we understand this, mm -hmm. uh, that it, this is a force to save life. And we're here to prepare ourselves for our journey. And perhaps uh, what I was remembering was the responsibility that we have really to create something that will be of benefit to the collective, to the oneness, um, not just to ourselves. But uh, let's get back to the point about energy, because he always he also says it's, okay, but it's we're, about right energy. Before, right before we do that, hold that point on energy. Let us hit that. Let me, let me just clear this. Let me just talk about this one thing. Okay. He does say that fears come from the fear of responsibility in life, that once you are responsible for your life, that's the key. And that people don't always want to have that responsibility. They huh. often enjoy or choose to be in a state of need. They want need in their lives. Somehow that becomes the generator for their existence, where in actuality, it's an obstruction. Need is what keeps us from connecting. If we all knew that we didn't need these things in our environment, and we have all the power that we want, if we just connect to the larger consciousness, then really, what would we do with our time? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I think that was the point that I was going. Yeah. Share yeah, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So he's not afraid of the word responsibility. He's talking that sometimes we are afraid of exactly. the word responsibility. Exactly. We pass our power away because people are afraid of taking real responsibility for their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So getting back to the, the notion of energy that, uh, everything is energy. Um, tell us how it was feeling when you were, when, when you interact with someone's energy field. And how do you under, how did you kind of come to understand the manipulation of energy? I, I played with it. I felt actual physical sensations in my hands and in my being, I felt a state or sense of awe, of wonder in standing in the presence of something far greater than me and far greater than I'd ever experienced before. And, and where did, awe, did you think it came from? Well, I knew it came from God. It came from love. It came from the intelligence of the universe. Whatever word we choose to describe that, something causes trees to grow out, to grow up, and tree roots to grow down, and children be born with two eyes and one nose. So whatever word you want to use for God, love, or the universe, that's where it came from. Mm -hmm. There was no doubt in my mind. But awe is a very funny experience because awe is standing in the greatness of something new and wondrous, which also means the unknown. And we can choose to stand in the presence of the unknown and experience fear of the unknown or the ecstasy of wonder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, 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 and I'll tell you, I remember, do you remember seeing those old black and white westerns on television when you were a kid and there was always like the little church parson who would walk out in the community and talk about being God-fearing Christians. You remember that phrase? <laughs> yeah. I always wondered. It never made sense to me. God-fearing. I was not raised that way. Who would, what kind of a God would want you to fear them? God-fearing, it made no sense. And just a few years ago, I was giving a presentation, sharing a presentation in Sfat, which is a city in the north of Israel, which is the cradle of Kabbalah, where Kabbalah began. And I was there speaking, presenting with the main Kabbalah rabbi. And I asked him at a certain point while we were talking, I said, I never understood this phrase, this, this phrase, God-fearing, where in the Bible does this come from? And he explained to me that it was a mistranslation. The word in Hebrew, Noah, can mean terrible, and on a very base level, can mean fear. And if you want to view it from a very mundane base level, you might mistranslate that phrase into God-fearing, but that's a wrong translation. The higher version of the word in which it was used in the Bible means awe. So, you know, it's our interpretation. I remember listening to Deepak Chopra speak about how we can, how he could pay someone a compliment or insult them. And whichever his intention is, that person has to make the choice of whether to feel insulted or whether to feel complimented. 
And um, something that Solomon speaks about when we talk about can anyone learn how to access reconnective healing, Solomon explains, he says, you know, many can find this, but the eyes are blind, you know. Mm -hmm. There are only a few that dare to open their eyes, and often those that do are blinded by what they see. And what we can, one of the things we can understand from this is that light doesn't blind. Light is neutral. It is our choice to allow the light to blind, to interpret it as such, to limit it to a blinding capacity, or to allow the light to illuminate. It is our choice to stand in the presence of something greater than us for the very first time and to interpret that unknowingness as fear or to step into that awe and that wonder. Mm -hmm. Solomon also said that uh, when he was talking about the beings, the energies who surround and help individuals, that sometimes they will appear as angels when somebody needs to see them as an angel in order to accept the information. I thought that was a fascinating point. It is quite fascinating. If you speak with people who have had life after death experiences, you find that the experience is virtually the same. Um, the theme of it. Yes, there are variations, but generally the theme really gone to that experience is pretty much the same, and yet the interpretation may change. You find that people who are devout Christians will see Jesus. Devout Muslims will interpret that vision as, or the vision will appear to them as if it's um, Muhammad. Um, others, you know, will just, Jews will often just, you know, see something that represents God to them. So um, it, it's, we have visions or forms that we allow something to take or that God might interpret for us knowingly enough to be presented in a certain way so that we allow ourselves to receive the message. And then we probably expand into something greater beyond that. It simply becomes the light. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now, um, where, where are you located, by the way? I'm in Portland, Oregon. You're in Portland, Oregon. So I'm not too far from you right now. I'm sort of a little far. I'm in Sacramento. I just got off like an hour or so ago in Sacramento because we're giving a seminar here this weekend, uh, Friday night. I'm um, speaking at the Red Lion, whatever it is, in or something, here in Sacramento. And I'm giving a three-hour presentation. Actually, I'm giving a, a two-hour presentation, I think, tonight here in Sacramento at the Unity Church. And then Friday night here at the Red Lion, I'll give a three-hour presentation. We'll talk about the history of the work, the theory, the philosophy of reconnective healing. The science will give everyone an opportunity for you to feel this in your hands. And we'll bring up some live volunteers from the audience and give some um, demonstrations of the healing so you can see the reality of this. And then Saturday and Sunday, all day, we're going to teach people how to do reconnective healing. What what is the basic essential switch that a person has to make in their own mentality to kind of move into that space of being able to do it? 
to learn to observe without judgment, to listen, to be the seer and the seen, the witness and the witness, the observer and the observed, to feel with a different sense, to listen with a different sense that allows vibration to feel and an awareness, a vibratory a conscious awareness starts to take over and we allow ourselves to tune into it. It's as if you go to a concert and you listen to the music and you're enjoying it and someone says, listen, can you hear this one faint instrument? And you stop and you pause and you go, yes, I can. These are the discoveries that we make with reconnective healing. But the, the funny thing is, is that these are discoveries. They are ahas. Reconnective healing is not a technique. We are not teaching a technique. We are teaching you how to transcend technique. We are not giving you another training wheel to become a healer. We're teaching you how to remove the training wheels that we've been given because we're not here to master the bicycle training wheels. We're here to master the bicycle. We're not here to master and learn new energy healing techniques. We are here to step into our role on this earth as a healer for ourselves and for everyone else with whom we interact. And by the end of this Sunday, if you're here in Sacramento, uh, and not three years or three weeks, but the end of this one weekend, I can pretty much make you two promises, which are, A, you will be able to do anything and everything in the way of healing that I can do, and B, you will be able to do anything and everything in the way of healing that any human being anywhere on this planet can do, no matter how many techniques they've mastered, they've taught, no matter what their special lineage or what their unique supposed story is, there will be nothing that anyone can do that you will not be able to do in the way of healing. But what I'm really excited about, and by the way, we are teaching this a couple more times in the United States. We're teaching it in Denver, September 13 through 15 in Newport Beach, November 1 through 3, and actually in Toronto and Canada, November 8 through 10, those three weekends, Denver, Newport Beach, and Toronto. But what darn. I'm really, 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 really excited about. Well, darn, is, I'm going to Denver this weekend. It's too early. Oh, well, well, it's an excuse to go back again. Find a <laughs> restaurant, first visit, and then you know what to do when you get to Denver, September 13th. Okay. But here, here's what I'm really excited about. Okay, you ready? We are doing the first time event ever. We've never, never, never done this. What we're doing is all day, a full day on Saturday, June 29. We're going to give a live presentation. I am going to present along with, for the first time in relation to this book, Frederick Ponslov. He and I are going to talk about the channeling, the information, discuss the book, our experiences with it, how we've grown, how you can grow from it. We're going to take your questions and concepts to understand the theme of the day, and then Fred is going to do, a, for the very first time, a live channeling of Solomon. Now, this is going to be held physically in um, Los Angeles, at the Los Angeles Hilton Hotel in um, in um, Universal, not, you know, yeah, Universal City in Los Angeles. Are you, are you live casting it? That's the good news. We're we're going to live cast it. We're going to live cast it around the world. It will probably be in as many as sixty six languages. But we're just promoting it now, so there's only room in 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 live physical space for two hundred people there, and it's already half full. And we've only started to promote it. 
So um, if you go to thereconnection.com, just like the book is called The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself, the website uh-huh. is thereconnection.com. If you go there, you can find out about this presentation, and maybe even today or within the next day and a half or so, there'll be access right there on the website for you to sign up for this event via live streaming. Wow. And um, we might add that uh, Fred ha- seems to have a, a dual life, and he uh, he's a, an actor and teaches acting and and a screenwriter. And he was yeah, quite right. reluctant to come forward to come out with all of this uh, sideline, wasn't he? How did you very convince him? So very much so. Well, you know. It took 20 years. <laughs> you know, how did I convince him? Don't make it seem like it was like I invited him to dinner and he said, cool. You know, um, first of all, he didn't always like to even channel the information through. He was afraid. He was afraid because, um, well, he was afraid basically because he wasn't in control of it. it this voice sort of took him over and came out and spoke, and he was worried. What might it say? He, I mean, he's even expressed times, you know, I don't know, what if it said, come take up arms against the government? And what if it said, everyone, you know, jump off a cliff? And what if people listened? Because he wasn't aware. He said he could hear one, he could hear the first three words that he spoke. And by the time he got to the fourth word, he forgot the first word again. So he wasn't there, and when every time he finished a session, he'd be really nervous. I mean, the first thing out of his mouth is, what did I say? What did I say? You know, and we, we would have to play the record. I'd have to tell him a little bit, and we'd have to play the recording back, and he would watch his face mm-hmm. in awe of what came out through that. And we had a lot of personal discussions recorded that maybe we'll share in another 20 years <laughs> of, of his responses to what was coming through him. Uh, well, you know, I, I get the sense that that's the beauty of the message now. Yeah, yeah, and and the messages really are beautiful. Uh, I get the sense that more and more people are starting to come out of this particular closet of acknowledging their connection to the oneness and being open to sharing it publicly. Is that your it's sense? It's sort of a two. It's sort of. I find this to be, and you know, let's face it, I'm not known for my endearing personality, but I am known for being honest, at least with my own thoughts. And I am going to say that a lot of people, a lot of people are coming out saying that they can do this because they want to, and I find that the majority of them are not doing it. I find that some, however, the true ones are the ones who are starting to timidly step their foot forward and dip their toe into the water and say, all right, I've been a little afraid to admit this, but I'm going to share this with you. And you know what's made some of them afraid? It's been the people who have gone out fraudulently because they, 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 they don't want to be connected by that uh-huh. they, because they are, they are bringing through a truth. And it's 
I, I think that's what's been with a lot of it. There are a large number of healers, uh, not healers, there are a large number, well, there are a large number of what I would consider fraudulent healers too, but let's not go into that. Um, there are a lot of people who are well-known as channelers. And if you listen to the information, you really have to find which ones are actually speaking truth. You know, there's, there's what I call the 10-10-80 principle, that 10% of the world is going to listen to and believe anything you say about spirituality just because they want it to be true and they're not going to be very, you know, objective in it. And it's all right, I can talk to those people all day, but after a while, it gets boring as you know what. Mm -hmm. 10% on the other end of the extreme are not going to believe anything you have to say, even if you present them with 100 double-blind controlled randomized studies. They will cover their eyes, they will cover their ears, and unfortunately they will neglect to cover their mouths. But that's another story. (laughs) 80%, the mainstream, will sit down objectively and say, say something that makes sense and I'll listen. Say something else that makes sense, I'll engage you in conversation. Say something more and we will grow involved in this conversation. But it needs to be real. And if you pay attention, you'll know what real is. You know who I truly admire in the field of channeling is, um, is the voice that comes through Esther Hicks. Esther Abraham. Hicks. Abraham. Uh-huh. I think that she, she is in, uh, to me, she is the best known channeler who is truly in her impeccability nonstop. And I position Fred at that same level. The information that comes in is of a slightly different flavor, but the same level of impeccability and spirituality. And there are quite a number of names in the channeling field that you would know and we won't talk about here. And I really don't quite know how they got there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know... Even, even with your modality, uh, you talk, you have to exercise discernment. And discernment is, is keying into your own intuition, which is something that Solomon keeps on returning to. Actually, even more than that, it's your instinct. Your instinct is the sum total of everything that you know. Beyond intuition, because intuition allows us to bring our thought and evaluation into it, which starts to filter it. But our instinct, our instinct is the music of our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what message would you like to leave with our listeners, Eric? Let's do this. I think as far as what I'd like to leave with is in learning to recognize that there is no one special, unique healer anywhere on the planet, that it is our responsibility to become that, that it is part of our lesson in life to materialize our existence in a manner that is in a manner with our life's intention on this plane. Let me change our to you so you can hear it speaking to you. It is part of your lesson in life to materialize your existence in a manner that is in keeping with your life's intention in our plane, in this plane. And that means we need to recognize our life's intention. And for the healers listening to this program, 
it's time for us to stop trying to bring about specific intended feelings for people with specific results, but instead to recognize that your energies enable people to feel what they haven't felt prior to this moment. You open doors of experience for them, and they are to make the choice of whether they should walk through these doors or not. In other words, your job is to open doors. Their job is to decide whether they have the courage to walk through these doors. So hopefully I'll be seeing some of you um, either tonight at the Unity Church in Sacramento or Friday night at the Red Lion in Sacramento or maybe in Denver, especially if you go back to Denver, September 13 that weekend or Newport Beach November 1 but hopefully my biggest excitement is online or live the very first only Solomon presentation in relation to this book June 29 in Los Angeles very good very good well aside from the shameless promotion um (laughs) and you know what if we don't spread word you know you know you know the bagua in 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 uh, feng shui I do. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, there's one thing about that Bagua that always bugged me. I just never understood it. I'm saying they talk about, they, they talk about career and family and friends and prosperity and love and all these wonderful things. And there at the very top of the Bagua is the word fame uh-huh. or reputation. Indeed. And I thought, why? 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 Until I began to recognize that if we do feel shame about spreading the word of the gifts that we have to share, then we don't get to share those gifts with others, which means that we deprive the world of this. It is very important that people know what we have to share, and that's why it's part of the balance. Without sharing this information about when and where, what, why, how, and who, then our bagua becomes off balance. Hear, hear. Beautifully said. We have been speaking with Dr. Eric Pearl about his book, Solomon Speaks, on reconnecting your life. And you really will want to go to his website, thereconnection.com, particularly to sign up for the live stream of his first ever um, live channel with his co-author, Frederick Ponslov. That will be on June 29th. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's so much my pleasure. It's so much my pleasure. And, and uh, as you can hear my excitement about this event with Fred on Solomon Speaks, I, I, I hope that that level of excitement is exceeded in what we're able to communicate on the 29th. Thank you. Next week's guest will be Caroline Corey discussing her mesmerizing DVD, I Am the Universe. If you enjoyed our show, you can find out about all the latest books and films on New Consciousness Review on our website at ncreview.com. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll automatically be in the weekly drawing for great books and films. Now sit back and enjoy our track of the week by Lisa Bell from Boulder, Colorado. Move on. Always looking for a new 
protection from the comfort of my everyday. Every time you got to move on, move on, in your heart's got to be strong, be strong. If you tell yourself you can't let go, then the future you will never know. I meditate, I contemplate. Isabel, whose mission is to inspire the listener to take heart and take action with music that is fun, fresh, upbeat, and thought-provoking. Her website is lisabellmusic.com. Lisa is a proud member of the Positive Music Association, that wonderful group of musicians who use music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. To discover lots more great music or to join the Positive Music Association, go to their website, positivemusicassociation.com. Well, I might be seeing Lisa in Boulder, Colorado, because I'm off to Denver in a few days for the International New Age Trade Show. I'm very pleased to tell you that NCR Radio is up for an award. Uh, It's a visionary award presented by the Coalition of Visionary Resources. So keep your fingers crossed for us, and I do hope you'll join us next week. So until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.